Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hoshberg, and this is episode number 162. Royal Caribbean offers cruises around the world, which means guests have the opportunity to visit fascinating cities in Europe, Australia, Asia, and North America. For those that want a great mix of culture, history, and scenery, a Royal Caribbean cruise to the Baltic nations is perfect for you. This week, we have a cruise review to share with you from Serenade of the Seas that took place recently and visited historic cities such as St. Petersburg, Helsinki, Stockholm, and more. Here we go. Each summer, Royal Caribbean ships go over to Europe to offer a number of itineraries all around the old world, as it were. And a very popular one, one that really stood out, and certainly our guest for today's podcast thought so as well, is a Serenade of the Seas 13-night European sailing. And we brought Dr. Chris Lapine Christensen back on the podcast to talk about his recent adventure on Serenade. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Matt. Absolutely. We had you on a while ago. Uh, when I think your last uh, European escapade, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it was last uh, August, probably, was the last time I was on because that sailing left on July 22nd and this one left on July 24th. Now, this is a really cool itinerary. And tell us exactly because I don't even want to get this wrong. I know you flew into some Scandinavian country and then you basically did. Do you, do you remember uh, any of the Indiana Jones films where they have a montage and show Indiana Jones flying across the world, and it's like little like you know there'll be, there'll be a red line that goes across a map and a stop like it looks like because back in those days you had to stop like every like, <laughs> like right. every big city in order to do it refuel and you're, stop exactly and yours your itinerary was so varied and so inclusive that you did a lot of that kind of a nature because you went from this city to this city to this city to this city it was a very cool idea. It was. It was. Uh, they actually considered a, it a repositioning cruise because it was. Uh, moving back to Copenhagen to do its one-week sailings rather than leaving out of Stockholm, although um, I don't know I'd really call it a traditional repositioning cruise. Um, But it's one they only offer once a year. It gave us three days in St. Petersburg, Russia, and it also was the only time of the year they stopped in Lithuania. So it was a very unique itinerary. Wow, that is pretty impressive. Let's let's start with a couple of basic questions. What drew you to this particular cruise? You're obviously living in the United States. You actually live in California. It's not like you're on the East Coast. So a considerable amount of travel time was required to make this work. Why did this particular itinerary appeal to you? You know, initially it didn't, I'll be honest. Um, we booked this when we did the Norway Iceland cruise last year. And the only reason we booked it is, one, my wife was intrigued by the itinerary because it only had one sea day. And she's not a huge fan of sea days. And the second is we started asking the sh- uh, staff on the ship, mostly the um, cruise director staff um, or activity staff, about this itinerary and what they liked about it because I didn't know a lot about the Baltics. So um, Russia was fascinating to me, but wasn't necessarily a place I was drawn to. And they were talking about how fabulous these ports were. And most of the crew are really drawn to Estonia. That seems to be their favorite port. So we're like, okay, you, you sold us on it. You told us about all the highlights. So we booked it on board, got a nice amount of onboard credit. And then as I started doing the research, I realized I really wanted to go to St. Petersburg. The more I learned about the history of St. Petersburg and all the things there were to do and see, I got really excited. Um, We were considering, you know, it was on the back burner, depending on what kind of airfare we could find. 
And um, I just started last August looking at airfare, um, ended up scoring round-trip airfare on British Airlines for under $700. And so that pretty much locked us in. We couldn't say no after that. Yeah. And you had to fly – did you fly direct from California over to London or did you have to stop on the East Coast first? So we flew – we drove to LA, um, which is about two-and-a-half-hour drive for us. But the one-way rental car was – $48. So it made it affordable. It cut our airfare in half, essentially, compared to sailing out of San Diego. And we flew LA to London, Heathrow, and then we connected to Stockholm and did the reverse out of Copenhagen coming back. Nice. So tell us about the makeup of this particular cruise. Going First of all, you're going to Europe. Second of all, you're going to a atypical itinerary. It's even, in fact, technically speaking, a repositioning cruise. You're going over summer. Is this families? Was it an older set? Was it younger people? Was it uh, rock bands on there? Who was on? What was the guest makeup? And also, uh, not only ages, but also ethnicities. What surprised me, um, when we went out of uh, England last year, about half the passengers were British. Uh, this sailing, being out of Stockholm, I expected more Europeans, but half of those sailing on the ship were actually from North America, um, followed by a pretty decent contingent from Spain, another big group from Great Britain. Um, but when I say big groups, we're talking in the you know two to 300 range. So the right. bulk majority were North Americans. Um, I would say probably the average demographic was kind of 40, 50. So you had some families, um, but there were under 300 kids on board. Um, and so the, the kids clubs were not used as heavily as they are used on other itineraries. Got it. Interesting. Now, last year you were on Brilliance of the Seas. You did a Norway and Iceland cruise kind of interesting there how did this one compare was it very similar i mean i know as americans we assume that everywhere in europe is exactly the same as, as the other places but you know obviously scandinavia still and you this time a little more east you went you know from stockholm and you went over to uh the baltic countries as you mentioned and st petersburg how do those areas compare to cruises to norway iceland is uh, it's a scandinavian country but it's far more west but yeah. how did that compare how did it compare to those experiences on brilliance I would actually say they weren't comparable at all. Um, You have a much more medieval experience in places like Riga and Tallinn, Uh, especially in Tallinn. You have the old walled city that dates back hundreds of years. Um, Scenic, but not as scenic as the fjords in Norway Um, and smoother seas because you're in the Baltics. You're protected from the North Sea. So I, I... would say it was very different. Um, A lot of people, what they did is they stayed on board when we got off in Copenhagen and then spent a week in Norway. So that might be a way to go to stretch your airfare dollar too. There you go. If you have the time. (laughs) Absolutely. Talk to us about one of the tips I wanted to bring up. I know you and I have talked about this before, but it's really a good tip about uh, Russia because in Russia you need a visa in order to enter the country. It's not like, you know, you go to Mexico, right? You could just, you just literally True. go, right? But in Russia, it's one of the few countries that you need a visa. Brazil is another one. Kind of odd. No one really expects that one. But nonetheless, um, in, in Russia, how did you, you suggest it actually uh, through our Periscopes, which we do every day at uh, periscope.tv slash Royal Caribbean blog. You suggested a, a really good tip, actually, about the um, 
about how to get around this little visa thing, well, basically killing two birds with one stone situation. Yeah, so a lot of people on the cruise, myself included, had the Rick Steves Baltics cruise book. And one of the things Rick Steves recommends, and most of the time I agree with his recommendations, but this is one time I don't. He recommends going through the process of getting an actual visa for Russia so you can do it on your own. The problem with that is a visa will run you $250 or $300 just to get the visa, and then you have to go through the expense of going to all the sites and paying the admission fees, etc. So Russia has this exception that if you're on a cruise ship, if you're a passenger on a cruise ship, and you are there for 72 hours or less, you can get what they call a tourist or a blanket visa. Basically, they issue you a visa as long as you have a valid shore excursion ticket. Now, that can either be a shore excursion ticket through the cruise line or a privately booked shore excursion through a Russian company. So it ran us about $350 for three days of touring. But if you consider that a visa will cost you $250 or $300, that included three lunches, all uh, tickets to all the sites, a private driver, and a private tour guide. So I think for the money, you're actually better off just booking a cruise um, excursion, either through the cruise line or through a private vendor, and having them do the visa for you. That's a great tip. I'm glad we were able to share that because I thought that was really very, very smart when I first heard it from you. So I'm glad we could share that. And the other thing was, as you know, Russia, I'm, I'm a huge history buff and as you mentioned earlier, there's a huge amount of history there and, and certainly intrigue. But I think you mentioned that you actually preferred, what was it, Estonia was your favorite port that you visited? Yeah, uh, Tallinn, Estonia, I think, was uh, just had this medieval flair and charm of an old walled city. Um, but this was one of those uh, cruises where we kept asking ourselves in conversation, you know, what was your favorite stop? And we'd pause and we'd think about it, and they were all fabulous. None stood out as the best. They were all great. Um, we didn't have your Nassau, like, you know, on the Western where everyone pretty much says, well, I could have done without Nassau. Every port was worth visiting, and every port is worth visiting again. It was that fabulous. There was not a dud among any of these port stops. Wow, interesting. Now, the other in- the, the thing I really was found also interesting about your itinerary was – you were in St. Petersburg for three days, right? Yes. And then you were in another city for two days. Was that Stockholm? Stockholm and Copenhagen. And Copenhagen. So you have the 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 experience of not only doing overnights, but that really does – I would think that would really free up your time because I've done overnights in Bermuda. And the advantage of having that is that instead of you know being limited – on a regular cruise stop, you're there from let's say you know 9 to 5 as an example – you know, you're only there for a couple X amount of hours, you feel kind of rushed, and you only have a subset of opportunities to do anything because you may be precluded from doing certain activities. But having being in these cities for that length of time, that must have been an amazing experience from uh, just opening up the possibilities to you. Am I right about that? Yeah, I would completely agree, especially in uh, Russia, for instance. You know, it was easy to spend in a little extra time. We actually ended up getting like four extra hours of tour time. Because the guide wasn't, you know, rushed to get us back to the ship. So we were originally planning to be back at five. And she's like, well, you guys want to stop by a farmer's market? We're like, sure, why not? So we got these little side excursions that you normally wouldn't be able to do because you'd have to be back at the ship at five or six. 
And in uh, Stockholm, what worked out really well for us is we got a hotel right by the cruise ship. And we figured with the time change, we'd probably wake up early. And we did. So we hit breakfast that was provided at the hotel went exploring Stockholm, came back, checked out, checked into the ship, and then were able to go out again back into Stockholm. And then we had a whole nother day um, the following day to see more. That's awesome. I'm so, I'm really glad to hear that. So yeah, it sounds like it's like, like to your wife's credit, uh, this itinerary is really for folks that love uh, land days, port days, yes. and also the ability to explore uh, some real history here. I mean, it didn't sound like there's any real, not that I would expect to find beach weather in Northern Europe, but it's mostly you're, you're exploring, right? You're on foot, you're doing things. It's not a, it's not a, uh, a Cozumel or a St. Thomas type adventure. True. Although I do believe we had some people in our group who did go off to a beach in one of the ports. So wow. there are ports or beaches to be had. <laughs> Fair point. Talk to, us say about Ser- Talk to us about Serenade of the Seas. What was your impression from Serenade and what did you like about it? Well, this was our third time on a Radiance class. So the only ship we haven't been on in the class is the namesake, Radiance herself. Um, I think we need to sail Radiance to Alaska just to say we've finished off the family. But my wife just says I'm a nerd and that's stupid. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it seems like it's just unfair to leave the Radiance out. Um, I was actually amazed at how good the ship looked. Um, from the outside, she was just strikingly clean, no rust. Not that you see rust on any of the Royal Caribbean ships, but I mean, she looked like she just came out of the shipyard. And I don't believe she's been refurbed since, what, three years ago, maybe four years ago. It's been a while, but she looked fabulous. Um, the Windjammer, they went up above and beyond they had live action cooking at all meals. Um, the air conditioner worked fabulously. The best air conditioner I've had in any cabin. Um, I just really enjoyed the ship. I mean, she's no different than the, you know, brilliance last year, but she just seemed to be better in some way. Good. I'm glad to hear that. What what's the type of stateroom did you have? And... Did you find it conducive to your particular this particular type of cruising experience with this many sea days? I mean, it was port days, sorry. Right. We did an inside, and we haven't done an inside in quite a while, but we really just couldn't justify. I think it was almost $1,000 more to have a, a ocean view cabin. And wow. we figured since we were going to be in port every day, it just didn't make sense. And in the end, it worked out great. Um no complaints. And we were on deck three, which was convenient because you, in all ports, including the port of embarkation and disembarkation, you get off on deck two. So it was easy just to drop down one deck on the stairs to get on and off the ship. Absolutely. Let's talk about, this is a 13-night cruise. I think there are going to be some lessons to be learned from a 13-night cruise, regardless of itinerary, that are important You know, for anybody, whether you're going to 13-night Baltic or 13-night Med or wherever. What what were some of the takeaways looking back on your experience, Chris? That you could say, you know, uh, that 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 would be different on a thirteen night cruise rather than a seven night cruise. Um, because there were so many overnights and late night ports. Uh, one thing they did do that's very unusual for most cruises is at times they had open seating dining for dinner. 
So they knew people would be coming back to the ship late where they wouldn't make, say, an early seating dinner. So they just opened the dining room up like they do for breakfast or lunch where it's kind of first come, first serve. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, the entertainment's going to be very different. You rarely have comedy shows because it's such a diverse uh, group that is on board. Uh, you tend to see more magicians, more singing, more f- kind of physical comedy. Uh, an example is we had a magician and a mime because obviously there's no language barrier there like there would be with traditional comedy show. So, and who, um, and who doesn't live mime comedy, right? Well, of course, you know. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, you, how many times can you see someone stuck in a box? <laughs> I ask myself that question every day. Hey, it works for cats. <laughs> um, did you happen to dine at any of the specialty restaurants on board, Sarah? We did. Um, we dined in the specialty restaurant six times. So um, I will say the Serenade did not have as much unique options on the dining menu as we had when we sailed out of England. Um, they had a lot more um, English fare and a lot more Indian fare. And they put it in, in the um, in the in, in the, the main dining room. No, in the, the main, main dining room. room. Yeah. Got it. So to me, you know, I've I've been cruising Royal quite heavily over the last couple of years. I'm kind of done with the menus. The food is f- very good. Don't get me wrong. And I don't want any listeners to think I'm really complaining about the food. It is good food. But when you've had the same dish multiple times, I personally was looking for something different. So as a result, we would either visit the Windjammer Um, where they had a different theme every night. And like I said, they had live action cooking stations. Um, But we also did a lot of specialty dining. So we had originally had the three-night package. Um, We decided to bump it up to a five-night, which they uh, arranged for us on board. And then one night when we came back from St. Petersburg, either the first or the second night, there was someone from CHOP saying they were offering a 20% discount if you chose to dine there that night. So we jumped on it and added a sixth night. Let me ask you about the dining package since you brought it up. Would you say – I guess my question to you really is who would you recommend the dining packages to? Is it like kind of like beverage packages where it's – I mean theoretically work for anybody? Is it something that you think is more specialized in terms of its if it's of its approach what, what's your take on the on the dining packages? Because for those who are unaware, these are fairly new options from Royal Caribbean where you can buy three, four, or five-night dining packages where essentially what you do is you pay a, a flat fee for the opportunity to eat at three, four, or five restaurants. And the, the benefit to you as the guest is you're actually saving money if you try to eat at all those restaurants paying a la carte or just paying the cover charge or whatever they, or a la carte. Um individually rather than having the package for you there's a little few caveats and i'll post a link in our show notes to some more information about it because it's a it's an interesting option a lot of people are asking about it so chris do you think this is something that i mean if you're gonna you know let's let's just go with the three forget your five for a second okay is it a slam dunk to to do it or do you think there are some drawbacks and considerations involved well i think it's more of a slam dunk if you do the five because then you're you know you're down to twenty dollars a person per restaurant um, it's on the radiance class. It is $70 for three. So still a good value, especially when you consider you get a $30, 
um, credit at Izumi. So for us, it really worked out even just on the three night because $60 at Izumi goes quite a long way. So we would take our son. Our son would normally be a $10 charge at either Giovanni's or Chops. But at Izumi, because it's a la carte, he was able to eat within that $60 that we had. And in fact, the first time we dined there, we found out that we didn't spend enough. I think we uh, had only spent $54 or $56. So we ended up having to add a second dessert, which, you know, we had to take one for the team there. Um, my son was quite disappointed, though, because he went off to the kids club only to find out we ended up getting a dessert sampler after he had left. <laughs> you win some, you lose some, kid. Yeah. So I think it's a slam dunk. Um, you know, I never thought I would dine at Chops four times. So we did Chops four times, Azumi twice. Maybe it was Chops three times, Azumi twice, and then Giovanni's once. And uh, we had someone in our group who had some dietary restrictions and. Um, they actually found it was easier to have those dietary needs met in the specialty restaurants because the meals are uh, cooked to order versus the main dining room. The main dining room did a fabulous job too, but they didn't have as much flexibility because of the way the food's prepared in mass. Um, so I think it's a slam dunk. I mean, chops alone. I mean, I was able to do a filet. I did the tuna. And I did the veal chop, and they were all fabulous. And normally I'd be scratching my head trying to wonder which one should I get. And by having the specialty package, I was able to try everything. That's great to hear. My last question for you is about the the kids. You mentioned your son's on board. How old was your son? He is nine. Nine. How did your son like Adventure Ocean? What was your experience as a parent? Did you see a lot of kids on there? Were they combining the groups because there were few kids on board? Or was it essentially a, no different than many other Royal Caribbean cruises you may have been on in the past in terms of the kids' programming? Well, I had expected them to combine the groups because they did last year. And um, I think my son was the first kid to show up to the open house at Adventure Ocean. And he actually knew two of the staff from previous cruises. Um, he knew Norm. the, I know he knew the <laughs> cruise, the adventure oceans director or manager. And then what was funny is tornado is her, her kind of name in the AO. Um, it was her first sailing on the serenade since being on leave. Um, so the first person she sees on a ship is a kid who knows her from a, uh, from when we did jewel of the seas, and what was that, 2014, I think? And he remembered her. So that was pretty cool. Um, one thing, if you are if you make use of the late night hours, your child will likely be the only child in there. Um, when I was talking to the staff, they said that on these long excur- you know, these long itineraries where you're in port late, usually the late night programming that $7 an hour after 10 isn't regularly used. And they hadn't had anyone use it in the previous month. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I would say they're underused. Yeah. And then that doesn't surprise me uh, to, to hear that, especially again, the longer, the, the longer the itinerary, this is in general, this could be Caribbean too. The longer the itinerary, the less families you have on board in general, because it's harder to take kids away for that long. It's just kind of a right. steadfast rule. So something to keep in mind, but it's, but there were kids on board and you know, the yeah. programming is still available. So 
Um, my daughter loves that, by the way. She, yeah. she loves being able to boss the uh, the Adventure Ocean staff around and have a, have a captive audience, really, is what it's about. Well, so, and he made some friends with some teens and tweens, and somehow they finagled getting him into the one of the teen activities. So, I don't know. Somehow he... He knows how to work the system that he was actually hanging out with the tweens playing dodgeball at night. <laughs> I mean, with our permission. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, any yeah. rules were broken, but. Absolutely. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us about your cruise. Of course, a big thank you to for everything you do besides all this. This is great. But also, uh, Chris is a major help on the Royal Caribbean Blog message boards. We have a great message board community there, and I got to give full credit to Chris. He is the you're kind of like a, a godfather presence over there, Chris, because you have that the ability to kind of take some of the new people in and, and you know gently guide them down the path. And others, it's 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 a it's really like Cheers. I already made one Cheers reference. I'll make another one. Um, you know, where everyone knows your name, and uh, I really appreciate everything that you do there on the message boards. And I love going on there because of that to be able to have so many friendly faces talking real Caribbean together. Well, I was getting a little nervous there. I was thinking of a horse head in the bed at first, <laughs> so I was a little worried about that analogy. So I'm glad you brought it around. There you go. There you go. Well, Maybe I'm an glad uncle. you. I'm. The, how about an uncle? I don't. Think there you go. Bad connotations with uncles. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that there you go i like that all right we'll go with uncle okay. uh but check out the message boards and thank you for joining us here on the podcast again thanks for having me matt every week on the royal Caribbean blog podcast i ask all of you to send me your email so we can read them right here on the podcast and whether it's a question a comment a thought about something about royal caribbean related we get to talk about it here virtually and of course you can email me matt m-a-t-t at royal caribbean blog.com to send your emails about really anything on your mind your question comment some maybe something you read on royal caribbean blog.com hey this is your venue to discuss it and our first email today comes to us from bob who wrote me a really long email and bob not gonna have a chance to read it all but i'm gonna get to the big highlights of it and bob writes matt i took my 14 year old son on the july 30th six night eastern caribbean cruise uh it was our both of our first cruises our wife mother who's a teacher goes back to work each year about a week before he starts school he and i have taken that opportunity quote unquote for the last 10 years to go on a guy's trip. Needless to say, we had a blast. She is probably going to stop this tradition after hearing how much fun we had. <laughs> before I get to the bullet points of our trip, I want to tell you that I was a Royal Caribbean blog insider before I went on a Royal Caribbean cruise. Is that a first? I listened to most, if not all, your podcasts prior to your cruise. I think your listeners, readers, should know that we saved hundreds of dollars before and after the cruise by listening to your tips that you and your listeners have provided over the years. I can say with certainty that anyone who reads the blog, listens to your podcast, and or watches the Periscope videos would be well served by becoming an insider. It is the least I could do to thank you for continuing the great service. I thoroughly enjoy the Periscope videos, the interviews, and question and answer shows on the podcast, and of course, the articles on the blog. Wow. Bob, thank you so much for the glowing recommendation. Of course, Bob is referring to the Royal Caribbean Blog Insiders, which is a program in which you can donate to Royal Caribbean Blog financially, and you get some pretty cool rewards. And chief among them, I would say, if you're listening to this podcast, is you can actually get access to this podcast episode a day early before anybody else by becoming an insider. There's lots of other rewards. You can get a sticker. There's other merchandise options. There's... Uh, first, you'll get first access to any events that we hold, and there's a whole lot more. You really got to check it out. Go to royalcaribbeanblog.com slash support, royalcaribbeanblog.com slash support. And of course, I will post a link in the show notes to more information about becoming an insider. But Bob, thank you, sir, for the, uh, for, uh, for the glowing recommendation and for 
for hearing actually that this has been so helpful to you. That is awesome. Thank you so much. All right, on to Bob's email about his cruise. We booked a balcony stateroom overlooking Central Park on Oasis of the Seas. The room was very nice with plenty of storage areas. One of our concerns before the cruise was the lack of storage. However, it was not a problem. We used a shoe holder that hung on the bathroom door for extra space. It was great to hold socks, underwear, gym clothes, etc. We also used magnetic hooks on the wall to hang a few other items. One other packing tip from one of your message boards was to take an extra pop-up clothes hamper. I'm not sure the balcony was worth the extra money for us. We didn't use it that much, but we'll probably get an ocean view balcony or just an interior stateroom next time. We enjoyed Sabor, Giovanni's 150 Central Park, uh, Izumi, and Chops Girl. All were outstanding. Sabor was wonderful. Prices are incredibly reasonable. Giovanni's was great. Chops service was and ambience was good as even as good as Ruth Chris Flamingos or Fleming, sorry, or Del Frisco Steakhouse. I'm not sure the steaks were as good as those national chains, but they were still excellent and the price was reasonable, even though we weren't that thrilled with Chops. Izumi, we had sushi and it was great. Uh, we did have a small problem with one waiter wanted wanted to push us to order everything at one time. Same issue in the main dining room. No matter how many times I told him we wanted to order courses dishes as we went along, he was not going to agree to that. I'm not sure if it was him or the restaurant wants a specific for a reason. I'm going to stop right there. That's interesting. I've never experienced that. Usually they're all about whatever pace you're interested in. I mean, what do they care if you spend, especially at the Zoomy, I mean, you're spending money, uh, you know, <laughs> what's the difference, right? I'm, I've never experienced that. Uh, Bob, actually, I've been to Zoomy many, 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 many times. I'm assuming that was just the waiter, but yeah, no, I haven't, I have not experienced that myself. The alcohol package. I was very concerned about whether or not it would be worth the money, but my wife made a joke that if I'm going to be with a 14-year-old all week, I'd better get it. (laughs) She was right. The package is a much better deal than I first thought because of two things I had not realized. First, if you want a nicer glass of wine in a restaurant, you can order any glass you want, and they'll give you a $13 credit towards that glass. For example, if you see a nice $20 glass of wine at Vintages or Chops or even the main dining room, you can order it, and then they will just charge you $7. Secondly, in restaurants and bars on the ship, they had high-end scotch and bourbon that I did not expect. I love good scotch. They had Balvenie triple cask scotch at all the bars. It can be as much as $20 a glass in restaurants and bars. With the premium package, it was included at no charge. Uh-huh. On to weather. Tropicals wave Earl before it became a hurricane. Passed about 36 hours ahead of us. We had a lot of wind. The boat rocked for about 36 hours. I have a law partner who has been on Oasis Allure three or four times. She had never felt the boat move on any of those trips. To be honest, it did not bother us. In fact... The extra wind made the temperature great. The rocking of the ship didn't make us sick. I don't know of anyone on the ship who did get sick, in fact. It did move enough that you could feel it regularly, and even the clothes hangers in the closet rattled around a good bit. Some of the ship's crew even commented that it was a bit unusual for them to experience that much motion. In terms of teen activities, we were disappointed in the lack of teen activities for just teens. We had looked at other cruise compasses for Oasis during the summer, and they had a lot of scheduled events for teens. They didn't on this trip. It may have been because some of the schools were back in session this time of year. They had a lot of adult activities like basketball, ping pong tournaments, mini golf events, etc. They had a few organized activities for teens. They did have the full order open for teens only a couple of nights after 10 p.m. One night, 12 to 15 year olds could use it for 45 minutes. After that, 16 to 18 year olds got it for an hour. That was very nice. He was just disappointed there wasn't any ping pong, basketball, soccer, mini golf tournaments for teens. In terms of the floor rider, my son did the floor rider for hours each day. The instructors were great. He took two private lessons. Each had five to seven people for an hour for $60. The floor rider gets crowded, and doing a private lesson gave him a lot of time to work on it. Also, we did the first lesson of the day, and it helped him learn enough to enjoy it the rest of the week. 
luggage valet. We used the luggage valet from the ship to the airport in Fort Lauderdale. It was outstanding. We put our bags, like everyone else, out at 11 p.m. on the last night with a special luggage valet tag and our baggage ticket claim for our final destination on our Southwest Airlines flight. The next morning, we were able to get priority departure times and we were off the ship by 8 a.m. Luggage was already sent to the airport and checked in for us on our Southwest flight. All we had to carry off the ship was our carry-on backpack. The next time we saw our luggage was in Birmingham. For $25 a bag, it was worth it to us. And in terms of next cruise, we took advantage of the next cruise services, booked Liberty Disease out of Galveston in January. We got our onboard credit that we used on this trip. They also entered us into a drawing for $300 extra in onboard credit if you book with the next cruise during the first three days of the sailing. We got lucky and won $300. Wow. That is awesome. Bob, dude. Great email, and you have actually had a lot of great detail here. I would actually, Bob, I would encourage you to post this whole email you sent me, copy and paste, and go over to the Royal Caribbean blog message boards and share it there because there's some great tips. I wanted to highlight some of the stuff that we don't normally get to, like the teen activities and, and of course, your your ideas here of the drink package and everything. I, I appreciate all the, the feedback here and some good stuff here, especially about the luggage valet. This is something I've never done, mostly because I tend to drive to my ports, but this is an option for as Bob describes, and a way to get your luggage off the ship and to the airport. And I love this idea because it's a lot less hassle. $25 a bag, I mean, there's a little bit of a cost to that, but, you know, how much is convenience worth worth to you, right? So it's good to know. Thank you for the email, Bob, and I'm glad to hear you had a great trip and you've already got Liberty of the Seas lined up. That is awesome, and you got $300 extra, so woot. Already ahead of the game. I love it, Bob. That's great. Next, we have an email from Heather, who writes, Matt, as you know, I love, love, love your podcast. I have promised uh, pictures to send you, but wondering when is formal night on a six-night Western Caribbean Freedom of the Seas cruise? Typically, we just switched from Jewel to this two days ago. Love Freedom of the Seas, sixth cruise sailing March of 2017. So the answer is, it's actually going to be the second night, which is not typically uncommon. In fact, almost on any Royal Caribbean Cruise, the second night is going to be the formal night. And the other formal night will be on night five, typically. And I'm basing this off the answers from Independence of the Seas, which is also a Freedom Class ship and often offers six-night cruises to the Western Caribbean. So, Heather, that's what I would expect. Night two and night five in general for six or seven-night cruises. The second formal night is either on night five or night six. And on obviously on a six-night cruise, it's going to be obvious. It can't be. On, I mean, it could be on night six, but it's going to be on night five. So, there you go. Two and five should be when you can expect it, Heather. Thank you for the email. Moving on, we have an email from Tina Bennett of Louisville, Kentucky. I just found your podcast a few months ago, and I've been playing a lot of catch-up. I love listening when I'm fixing dinner or working out, uh, so you are a great accompaniment. <laughs> I sailed the Royal Caribbean back in the 90s on the Slung of Norway, Sovereign of the Seas, and Nordic Empress, took a break to do other types of travel, and got to the cruise bug again in 2015. You might have answered this question before, so if you have, my apologies, but I hope it'll help, especially for some of us who are either first-time Royal Caribbean cruisers or even been on board one of the new ships in a long time. I'll be on Liberty this season early September as a bridesmaid for the wedding of two dear friends. This will be my first Royal Caribbean cruise since 1999, so I've made reservations at Chops with my wedding party and Sabor, and we'll probably dine in the main dining room so I can get my toes wet and get uh, some idea of how Royal differs from other cruise lines. But... In December 2017, I'm going all out, sailing in Harmony of the Sea, so I'm already doing pre-planning activities, and one of those is a meal plan. I'd like to take advantage of what sounds like a great ship, because I feel like I get more bang for the buck. However, I'm a little confused as to what is happening, and hope you can explain, realizing, of course, the policies can change in a year's time. When I go to the specialty dining program on my other cruise lines, let's say it's a little more <coughs> freestyle in nature. <laughs> I don't know who she could be referring to. 
I choose my plan and then book my reservations online for any available dates and times. And if I can't get a booking online, I get it when I'm on board. I love it. It works for me. If I understand what I've been hearing regarding Royal Caribbean's program, you buy the plan and you don't or can't make reservations until you get on board. When you arrive in the cabin, you will find that Royal Caribbean has determined the time of your first night's dining as well as the specialty platform you'll get. Then you re- make the re- remaining reservations on the first day and pray you get what you want. Am I understanding this right? I will still likely take a chance to get the plan because in the end, I think I'm getting a great deal. But not knowing my first night or if I can get the times I want for other nights of the cruise is making me feel a little crazy about being in control. And with me being a solo traveler, I often feel we get the short end of the stick anyway. I do not want to get quote unquote penalized for with a for me lousy 5:30 reservation because I'm not traveling with my husband and boyfriend who can pair up with me. Can you please provide more insight on the dining plans in general, particularly on the first night, as well as give any suggestions or provide any insider information you might have? I'll probably throw all caution in the wind anyway and try the plan in harmony, but I want to make sure I'm getting I know what I'm getting myself into. Love the podcast. Hope to one day take one of your group cruises when the price is right and when, oh, when is Royal Caribbean going to start having studio-style cabins in the other <clears throat> kind of rooms like the freestyle line does? Take care. Thanks. Tina, you're talking about the the Royal Caribbean specialty dining packages. And these are something that relatively new. Royal Caribbean offers three, four, and five-night dining packages, which allow you to essentially get a discount on those same restaurants if you would book them individually. The... The, the, the catch, if you will, it's not really a catch, but the difference is by booking these packages, Tina, you're 100% right. There are a couple things. Number one, you won't be able to pre-book times and days for these restaurants in advance. Second, the you have to eat at one of the restaurants on night one or night two. After that, it's totally up to you. You can eat the rest of them on any other night you want. Totally fine. So, but the the main advantage is by booking this package, you're going to be saving money compared to if you bought those restaurants on your own. So here's the thing. You are correct that you basically you're giving up a little bit of control in advance, meaning you won't be able to book in advance. Hey, I want to eat a chops grill on night four at seven 30, at least not until you get on board the ship. Now, what I will tell you, Tina is in my experience, it's not that difficult to get a lot of these times. Yes. You may have to be a little more flexible than usual, Tina. Like if you have your heart set on, look, I want to eat a chops grill on formal night at six 30 and seven o'clock and six o'clock will not work for me. This is not the package for you. But if you are okay with, well, it could be 6.30 on night two or night three, or it'll be on formal night, but it might be on, you know, at, at six o'clock or eight o'clock. You know, if you're if you're a little flexible at the times, it can work for you. What Royal Caribbean is trying to do here is they want to get people to book the dining packages, to book it into especially restaurants, spend their money there, but they want to get more flexibility. They want to, it's kind of one of those, it's almost like a guarantee cabin, right? When you reserve a guarantee stateroom, what do you do? Well, you save a little bit of money off the cost of your cruise, but Royal Caribbean say, well, we're not going to tell you what room you're going to have until later on because that gives them more flexibility. In my experience, you're not going to have to, I, you're never going to run into a situation where you're going to get on board the ship and be like, oh, I'm sorry, Tina, there's no reservations available anywhere on, you know, on, on at Chops Grill. That's not going to be the case. It just may not, you may not be able to be at the exact time. The thing is, of course, you go on day day one, embarkation day, you get on board, you make all your reservations. I've, I've had very good experience with that strategy. The, where you get in trouble is if you try to make a reservation later on in the cruise, right? Day three. And I've tried to do this on, on formal night go to a restaurant like, hey, do you have any reservations for the later this evening? Well, by that point, a place like Chops may be already sold out. And that, and I have run into that. But 
If you make your reservations on embarkation day, I think you'll be okay. The other issue, if you want to call it that, some people have a hang up about eating at a specialty restaurant on night one or night two. I'm one of those people. I freely admit it. I don't like eating at a specialty restaurant on night one or night two. The reason is night one, I want to go to the main dining room, meet, meet my wait staff. Of course, I like the main dining room experience. I freely admit that. And night two is formal night, and I actually do like the formal night experience in the main dining room. Now, that being said, Harmony of the Seas is an Oasis-class ship, and I think I've said before on this podcast, certainly said it on Periscope, but the next time I go on an Oasis-class ship, I'm actually going to forego the main dining room. The reason is because there's so much dining on an Oasis-class ship, I can't do it all. I can't I can't have the main dining room and have my cake, too, in the, in the specialty restaurants. I'm going to go all specialty restaurants. So in that case, it's perfectly fine. So if I were you, Tina... I would go ahead with it. Just keep in mind that on Embarkation Day, get on board that ship and start making your reservations. Do make that as one of your top priorities after you go to the Windjamer, Tina, right? You got to priorities, right? Have lunch and then go down to guest services or any specialty restaurants and, and schedule it all out for you. I think you'll be okay with that. I think you're going to get pretty much what you're looking for. I would be very surprised. Again, unless you're just dead set for some reason, like, hey, look, I need to eat at Chops Grill on this day at this time. And even then, I don't know, maybe you're picking, you know, other times. The other advantage, actually, Tina, because you're traveling solo, that's actually better for you because they can often squeeze you in a whole lot easier than a group of four or even two. So I think you'll it'll actually work out to your, to your benefit there, Tina. But it's a great email. And Tina, I will post a link in our show notes to a full write-up we've done on the spe- specialty dining packages. So that way, you or anyone else who's interested in these can get a full uh, breakdown and rundown of how this is all going to work. But it's a good question, and I know a lot of people have been asking me about these recently. I think they're becoming very popular because it does save you money. There's no question about it. All right, time for another email, and let's keep things moving with Mark, who's uh, M. Vanny on Periscope and Twitter. Hi, Matt. My wife and I will be joining you on the February 2017 group cruise on Navigator. The season cannot wait. Woot! I added the woot there. He didn't put that in there. I have a question for you about places to eat breakfast outside. We've taken eight previous cruises, seven with Royal Caribbean, and six of those on Majesty of the Seas and one with Navigator. Our other cruises on the Celebrity Millennium, and one of the most noteworthy things for me was the Ocean Cafe slash Ocean Grill on Deck 10, where we were able to take our buffet breakfast to an outdoor seating location at the stern of the ship. It was fabulous to eat and enjoy coffee in the open air. Do you know of any Royal Caribbean ships with a similar outdoor seating area for food? Thanks for the podcast. Look forward to meeting you in February. Mark, sir, I cannot wait to cruise with you on that group cruise. So February 2017, we've got a group cruise on Navigator of the Seas going to the Southern Caribbean and Labadee. It's Labadee, Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao leaving out of Miami, nine nights. It is amazing, and there's still room to join us for it. Go to royalcrimmingblog.com slash events for more information about that. Of course, I'll post a link in the show notes to our events page. You can get a no-obligation quote. It's going to be a great time, and you can sail with me and Mark, among other people as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, Mark, to answer your question, yes, there are some ships, unfortunately not Navigator. That's not one of them. But Radiance-class ships and Quantum-class ships have an outdoor Windjammer component, which means in towards the back, you walk through some some sliding doors, and there is outdoor seating. Now, that being said, let's say you're going, we're going on Navigator, right, Mark, in in February, and you want to enjoy your food outside. Don't forget, you can take your food from the Windjammer, carry it with you, walk right out of the Windjammer with all the plates and silverware or whatever, and go sit by the pool deck. There's plenty of seating out there that you can you can take advantage of. In fact, you can take it anywhere. You can bring it back to your stateroom. If you have a balcony, you can eat it over there. You can go bring it down to the promenade deck. And, you know, there's all the seating out there. Very easy to get a seat almost anywhere over there. But a lot of people do actually bring it out on, on those Voyager or Freedom or Oasis class ships. They'll take the food out of the Windjammer and walk out towards the 
pool deck and there's seating out there and it's similar. I mean, you know, you got a little more noise and people hanging out by the pool, but I, if you want to eat outside, that is an option for you. But in terms of your exact answer for your question, a Radiance class ship or a Quantum class ship does have the outdoor seating, which I agree. I love when I was on Brilliance of the Seas and Anthem of the Seas, I always made it a point, take my food, go outside, force myself to go outside. Even if it was a walk for, you know, there are plenty of tables around me. I didn't care because you're right, Mark, eating outside with the breeze, especially in the morning, man, it is gorgeous. I love it. So uh, I'm with you on that. I love that idea. And if you're ever on one of those kinds of ships that has an outdoor seating in the Windjammer, take advantage of it. It is one of the best things you can do because it's so beautiful, so relaxing. And, you know, it's, it's a quintessential kind of moment, right? Where you say, ah, yeah, I'm on vacation. It feels good. <laughs> All right, let's keep things moving with our next email. And that is from Patrick, who writes, Hello, Matt. Can you please provide me some good suggestions on good beaches to go in Nassau, Bahamas, that are close to where the ship docks, preferably a short walking distance, and are safe and free from locals constantly hassling you to buy stuff? Patrick, thank you for the email, sir. So the the beach that comes to my mind initially, and I'm going to post a link in the show notes to it for more information, is called Junkano Beach, J-U-N-K-A-N-O-O. It's a local beach, very easy to get to. There's actually no cost. It's free. The only issue you're going to run into, if you want to call it that, is are there locals going to be trying to sell you stuff there? Probably. I think that's it's actually very common in the Caribbean in general. I, I mean, a simple no thank you usually suffices, and... You know, for the convenience and the cost, it's really hard to go wrong with that one. If you want one that doesn't have that, I think you're going to have to invest in a resort day pass kind of situation, which solves one problem of not of locals not coming to you know try to sell you stuff. But on the other hand, you are going to be paying to go to that beach in in terms of uh, being paying for the the cost transportation costs as well as obviously access to the beach. I think it'll be fine, Patrick. Um, I, if I were you, I mean, look, I have a, I'm okay with it. I totally understand how that works. And, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. And for me, I'm okay just saying, no, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, a little funny story about that. So we, you know, if you've been on a couple of Caribbean cruises and you've been to these number of beaches, you know, that's occasionally there'll be locals walking by, you know, Hey man, you want to buy this? You want to, you know, massage or, you know, buy this shirt? No, thank you. Okay, cool. So we were in, I believe this was in Antigua. And we're over by the beach, and here comes some guys, you know, selling some stuff. And of course, you know, you just say, "Okay." He goes, "Yay! Do you want a massage? No, no, thing. You want to ride a jet ski? No, no, no. Do you want to wrestle a shark? Uh, no, no. What? <laughs> that was actually his thing. Do you want to wrestle a shark? <laughs> Which actually, in re- I mean, I didn't want. I don't want to wrestle a shark, but I kind of really wanted to be like, dude. How about I pay you to wrestle the shark? And I just want to watch what this is exactly. If, if I could go back in time, I really would have said that because. <laughs> never even heard of that i i don't know if it was just a joke to try to get us to actually pay attention to what he was saying but to this day it has become an inside joke in our family about you know hey you want to go wrestle a shark as like something like you know if you catch him off guard they'll say something so patrick my advice to you jugano beach is a great one of course if anybody has any other recommendations for beaches that are nearby to where the ship's dock in nassau of course send me an email matt at rowcommandblog.com we can answer that for patrick there. All right, time for one more email. One more. One more. And it is from our good friend Murph, who writes, In episode 158, Dan was right on about solo cruising. I have cruised solo many times, about 11 to 12 times, in fact. And I've assumed everybody did the math and understood 200% was just the cruise fare, and all the other residual costs are single price. Keep the podcast going. Thank you. You know, Murph, I love solo cruising. I've done it a couple times myself. I've been to love my family and everything like that. But the, the advantage of being solo cruiser is you get to do what you want when you want it. There's no... 
convening, even though I'm just cruising my wife, I mean, you know, you got you to take other people's opinions and considerations, you know, into effect when you're making decisions. But here, you know what? I'm going to go here. And you don't have to worry about coordinating or timeline or anything like that. It is a nice thing. And I think in today's world of the internet, because it makes it a whole lot easier, because back in the day, the problem with solo cruising was, well, you always felt like you had no one to talk to, right? And when you're on a vacation, you, you want to be able to turn to somebody and be like, hey, wasn't that fun or cool or, you know, be able to share the experience. When you're solo, it's a little more difficult. But I will tell you that, again, with the internet, it makes it so much easier because you can share all of this on social media. You can do this on, you can, you know, post photos on Twitter and Facebook. You can go to the Roku Blog message boards and do a live blog from there and get other people's feedback. To me, that helps take that place. It makes it a whole lot easier. And solo cruising is fun. And if it's the difference between taking a cruise and not taking a cruise, Murph, I'm with you, dude. Take that cruise, right? You got to You got to take that cruise because, you know what? It's it, it. I often say YOLO, which means you only live once, and that's true about this, right? Take advantage of it. Enjoy that cruise and have a great time. So, Murph, thank you so much for the email, and thank you to everybody for the email. Love doing this. Of course, I want to remind everybody that if you're listening to this podcast the week that has come out, I'm actually on Freedom of the Seas right now. So uh, go to royalcreamblog.com and check out our live blogs that we're doing every single day. I post a new live blog with photos and details of what we're doing on board the ship. I want you to make sure you're following along as well. So check that out. Uh, just go to royalcreamblog.com. I'll post a link in the show notes to that as well. But uh, of course, if you want, I want to hear from you as well. Whether you have a question about my Freedom Cruise or anything on your mind, send it to me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcreamblog.com, Matt at royalcreamblog.com. All right, my friends, I've got to run. Thank you so much for joining me, and we'll see you on the next show.